the thing is called it's called it's just platform.coop forward slash directory all right and it's okay. created by some really interesting guys called the internet of ownership oh yes i've heard of them yeah yeah which is which is part of the the new school well at least it's funded by the new school or it may be directly part of the new school um new which school? is obviously <clears throat> the new school which is uh the us-based organization that nathan schneider works for all oh, right okay um, and so that's the kind of the real epicenter of the of the platform. Okay, okay, okay. And so you think there's, uh, yeah, I'm just thinking one of the I suppose the biggest the biggest barriers the biggest barriers are the existing platforms that are not going to want their territory encroached upon, are they? Yes. So certainly, where you have those established, those are difficult. The other problem is where you you know, so that so if we went through, yeah. So there's one type of there's one type of market where both sides hate it. There's another like the Uber model where the drivers understand it, but the users love it. But there's a third one, which I think is even more intractable to kind of cut them out. That's kind of the Airbnb types. So in Airbnb, the renters, so the people providing their homes love it. It's much easier than renting out on a monthly basis to tenants. Uh, you get a lot more money. Um, yes, Airbnb take a fee, but that's totally acceptable given the huge profitability of it. Users also love it because actually it's uh, cheaper than going to a hotel most often. You get a much bigger space, much more variety. You're not stuck in kind of hotel and commercial districts. You can be in you know, real places. Um, so disrupting Airbnb is, is even more complex to fathom because neither side of the transaction is looking at all for anything else. In fact, they just love where they are. The people who have problems with Airbnb are outside of the platform. So are there enough? Are there enough politi Are there enough politicised people to start with the really early adopters? Well, yeah. So I mean, what I think, and I think the, I think the, there's a, there's a kind of different approach to tackling the platforms, which uh, at at the one end, so at the at the two sides that are really unhappy, it's platform co-op. This is primed for that. What's give me an example? Give me an example of a of a platform Again. where both. So social care is, 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 is the key, but cleaning could also be one. Uh, lots of cleaners really don't like the kind of relationships that they're in. Um, commercial cleaning services can often be a bit subpar, although that might be a bit more in the Uber model. It depends, you know, exactly where. But yeah, so where both sides are unhappy and when there's no competitor, you definitely want to be thinking platform co-ops. For the Airbnb side, I don't think you can think of a platform co-op emerging. What you need there is involvement of the city to create, to physically force the creation of a platform that uh, kind of embeds the rules so that you don't get people abusing their short-term lets or you know not paying their fair share of taxes and duties for running the services. Also, making sure that the things are safe and again ensuring that level playing field. And do you mean municipally owned as well or, or yes. cooperatively owned? Yes. Owned well, by again, the this, is, this is where I think you can you start to see. Now, I would certainly like the state to kind of create the structure, but for the ownership and governance to be of those kind of run by the who, who are using the platform. So again, the state kind of enabling the creation of a multi-stakeholder platform, um, I think would be really, really great in the Airbnb. And so there you have, uh, Amsterdam is kind of leading the way there. They've created a thing called Fair BNB. Fair BNB, okay. You know, um, and 
But again, that only works. So initially, they tried to do it as a kind of bottom-up platform co-op. Uh, and then they realized it was just going to be too challenging. So now they have teamed up with the city authorities to try and make it much, much more attractive. But even that, they're finding very, very complicated to do. So, so I think your platform strategy has to go somewhere from, in some cases, it's, it's really that bottom-up grassroots. It's let's get the users and the workers together. Let's create the positive structures that we want and make happen. But I think at another end, you've got to have the involvement of the municipality, of the city, um, and that's especially effective in these places, you know, Facebook has a global presence and no real physical presence. You can't disrupt it just in London. There's nothing that London and about it that you could disrupt. Now, Uber, Airbnb, Deliveroo, all of these are really, really different. Yes, they're globally present, but their London operation is physical and real, uh, involves real people, um, and absolutely take just that London portion of business and make it viable as a standalone thing, which you can't do in tackling the Facebook or the Googles and things like that. It's always really surprised me um, that, well, I mean, I, I talk to really sort of um, generally politically aware people and who tell me, you know, Uber's great because blah, blah, blah. And, and then it, it, it's, it's a really simple concept that they, they suck money out of your city and it goes to give, and, and it's given to extremely rich people who become even richer yep. and they take a 25%, 30% now apparently of, of all yep. these drivers work and they concentrate and they give it to extremely rich people. What, what is there to, to, to like about that? And, and when, when you tell people, they go, oh yeah, I suppose, yep, I suppose that's true. I'm not sure it stops them using Uber though. I don't think they feel that strongly about it. And yet for me, it's, no, no, no. it's really powerful. And I don't understand why it doesn't rile people. I think it's it's really deep, and I don't. Yeah, I think it's really. Deep. I mean, I've been I've been to many talks. So I'm doing a talk about platforms or something about the economy, about you know how we need to focus less on uh, kind of global extractive business and more locally focused. Um, the conference winds or the talk winds down for the evening, and the organisers go off and they you know I'm standing outside having a chat, and meanwhile they're hailing their Uber. Yeah. You know, so, I think it's really, and people have this kind of cognitive dissonance about it, that, uh, well, it's convenient, everybody's using it, uh, you know, it must, it's regulated, it must be, fundamentally, it must be okay. Um, but absolutely, I totally agree, it's, you know, it's really not. And, you know, all it takes is a few seconds to think about it. The facts are right there, it's really obvious. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and anything where, you know, the, the the drivers want to be considered employed and where a company would fight this hard to deny their drivers holiday pay, sick pay, um, uh, minimum wage. You know, if they'd spent all the money that they've done on, uh, first of all, the employment tribunal and the appeal, now the Supreme Court, not to mention all the publicity and marketing they've had to do to counteract all the negative publicity. If they had from day one just said, oh, actually, yeah, we, you know, we were wrong. Actually, we should have done all of this. Uh, not only would they have got all the goodwill, uh, but they would also have transferred all this money rather than to lawyers and accountants and, you know, tax experts. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. People who really need it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know, that, tell, that for me, that tells me a lot about their strategy. So if people read this and think, yes, okay, brilliant. I want to support platform calls. What, what can they actually go out and do? 
Well, that is probably the hardest bit right now. So definitely look up that directory, see what's interesting. Um, if you like music, try Resonate. Um, if you, uh, maybe we can, you know, maybe I'll have a look through and try and figure out that, that you know, because there are hopefully some things um, that will, are coming down the pipeline. Uh, you know, so if you like media, there's this thing called the Media Fund, where you can kind of contribute positive alternative media and kind of co-own some of that output. The Media Fund. Things. Yeah, it's called the Media Fund. Um, and it's basically um, people like uh, Media Lens, The Canary, um, The New Internationalist, the other alternative, they've kind of got together to try and, uh, you know, with all the problems of funding real proper investigative journalism, and have created a kind of platform co-op where people can kind of invest in the platform co-op. Uh, and basically the, the, the output is quality journalism and things like that. So there are a few things that are, that are emerging, um, but it's mainly to keep your eye out. It's mainly, I think, to uh, understand the current nature of the platforms, to tell other people about why these platforms might be problematic, I think that's really the place that I think that most of us are at now is that some of us who have kind of looked into the detail, you know, are seeing some really fundamental flaws with the way this major part of our economy is being run yeah. at the moment. But uh, most people just don't see it. You know, the, when I when I when when my partner and I leave any social gathering, we say, um, "Do you have a do you have a number of a local taxi firm?" And people look at us as though we're insane. Yeah. What are you talking Absolutely. about? Don't you use Uber? Yeah, you know. No, this and I'll, this is why I don't use Uber. Yeah, so these companies, you know, and I think it's especially powerful when these companies become nouns and verbs. You know, I yeah. think that's a that's a weirdness of this yeah. current kind of digital tech. Yeah. You know, to Google, I'm gonna Facebook you. Um, I'm gonna Uber. You know, uh, and that's when they become you know really deeply ingrained in in just the way society works. And you're absolutely right. I'm exactly the same. Like, what do you mean you haven't got the app you know like, no and i try and explain what i do and then they're like oh, oh weird but you know and sometimes it can even be it can even be a meeting where the, the discussion is about how we sort of start to change oh, yes. the economy and even yeah, then yeah. i say well to many of those too so so i think for the moment yeah it's like it's there are a few emerging which would which are desperate for support if you love if you really love music then you know resident so Interestingly, Resonate's platform is not to try and compete with Spotify and Apple Music because that will almost be impossible with their resources and their access to the record labels. But what they're trying to say is, you know, Spotify and Apple Music caters for like the passive listener. The, you know, it's all just on recommend. You just basically go in you play, and it just, you're not really listening. Resonate's for the active, active listener, for the music lover. And I think that's really where the, the kind of the platform co-op movement is now. It's probably not yet ready for everybody to dive into. It's niche. But it's those that care, those that yeah. want to, those that you know, are passionate about, you know, being at the, you know, not at the leading edge is maybe a bit of the wrong way of saying it, but uh, yeah, do you know, help do you know the, build. Do you know the, um, the dissemination of innovation theory? No. About the, so so you, you get innovators you, you're an innovator, yeah. I suppose I am as well, and and the people the people that we hang out with they're innovators. Yeah, and it's a, you 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 get much more bang for your buck if you if you first speak to the early adopters. You have to identify the early adopters mm. and speak to yeah. them, and they will do it even if it costs a bit more. 
yeah. um, even if it's a little bit more difficult and even if it's a little yeah. bit more rubbish, they'll still do it because they believe in it and yeah. they'll make it better. They, they will bring it to the point where the early main, and it's a bell curve. You, you, have, you have the okay. innovation yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. and you have the early mainstream and they will do it if it becomes a bit trendy. They'll say, oh, okay, I'll do that. And then you have the late mainstream who do it because it's a, because everybody else is doing it and they think they may as well. And then you have the laggards who only do it when there's no option. Yeah. It seems absolutely right. I mean, yeah, why, why waste your time trying to persuade the, the mainstream when you... No, I think, yeah, for the moment, we're at that really early, probably innovators, maybe for some of the platforms in the early adopters phase. But yeah, it's about, you know, I think there are only a few people going to be captured by the kind of quite niche... You know, you're absolutely right. They're a little bit harder to use, a bit more finicky, you know. Um, but so, yeah, so those people can get interested in what's around. But I think really it's about raising the awareness of the problems of the current platform model yeah. that none of the platforms are content about where they are, despite their huge size already. Yeah. They all want to grow. Um, and, uh, and the nature of some of these platforms mean that, in fact, there's not much space for competition mm. in a lot of these places that have been kind of platformed. It's not uh, a free market. It's, it's, you know, well, also I think these digital networks by their very nature, I mean, the reason why, you know, we have a monopoly in search and a monopoly in um, social media and things like that is because actually they are, you know, it's this network effect that they don't, they, their usefulness doesn't increase linearly but it increases much more exp like an exponential curve. Mm. And so the more users you have, the more search information you have, mm. the more connections you make, the better the search is. Um, and then it's the same with, you know, with, 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 with other platform areas ultimately is that you will see this winner takes all dominate everywhere. And that's why, again, there's very few places where there are, there are two large platforms at play. So, you know, Uber, the only place where they've suffered any kind of defeat was in China, where they tried to outgun the Chinese uh, homegrown uh, platform uh, called Didi. Um, but ultimately, Didi's pockets were even deeper than Uber's pockets. Um, and so uh, what's interesting there is rather than battle each other to where one was bankrupt, they actually kind of both saw that it was, a, it was going to be no winner uh, and have now kind of combined. So uh, Uber sold their Chinese business to Didi in exchange for taking a stake in Didi. So they're now intimately linked by each owning a bit of each other. Yeah. So basically, although they still are notionally two separate companies, they're now kind of linked together and they have a tacit agreement to kind of divide up the world and you know kind of share the spoils. Yeah. Uh, and you're gonna see that much more widely. And do we wanna live in a place where single platforms have this monopsony power? And I think that's also the important thing that these platforms offer. So. We hear a lot about monopoly power. So and monopoly power is generally thought of as it impacts the consumer. So the traditional way that the monopolists have done is they've overcharged the consumer for products, like for goods and services, because they have the whole market and you have to buy from them. What these platforms are, uh, are, are doing is kind of the opposite. In fact, the consumer offering is often below cost, at cost, or very, very cheap. And again, you think of the Uber, which subsidize and lose, you know, almost $5 billion a year. You can think of Amazon that, you know, is making razor thin margins on everything. Um, but what Amazon and Uber are doing 
is really exerting monopsony power. And that's where you have one uh, buyer of a, of, a, of a whole bunch of producer services. So for Amazon, you have huge power in the book industry. So Amazon have huge power in the book industry because basically they control about 50% of online book sales. So if you want to sell a book, it's got to be on Amazon. And so you take Amazon's terms and you've had some very high profile fights with Amazon and, 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 the, and the publishers over what rates and who gets It's the same with Uber. Uber exhibits a kind of monopsony power because they in fact have so many drivers and they have so much power. How are you spelling this word? Monopsony, M-O-N-O-P-O-N-S-Y. S-O-N-Y. Sony, okay, okay. Yeah, monopsony. Um, and so that's this, I think that's also this dynamic that the platforms have is that you're then creating this hugely powerful, which is basically totally disempowering workers. Uh, and it creates this huge tension. So, so we can't just let these platforms uh, just go. We need, we absolutely need alternatives. And that can either be the kind of the grassroots one, the platform co-op option. But I think also a flavor of that has to be the city, the municipality, uh, together with workers and unions also taking back uh, and and running some of these platforms because it, it's just not it's just not always possible to have a platform co-op emerge um, and so you need to you need to kind of have these two strategies in hand depending on sector uh, what's going on in the market um, and and how the how the how the buyer and seller in the market view the existing uh, um. What if, what if somebody wants to have a go at starting a, a platform co-op or if they, they want to get involved in a budding platform co-op? How do they get involved yes. in that world? So, yeah, so uh, the new school has got a kind of platform co-op starter kit, which they've developed. So you can go there and download that. I think it's a very, really, really useful link. I mean, what's most interesting, and I still haven't really understood why, is how the new school funded this. The so Google gave the new school a couple of million dollars. I've heard about this. Yeah. To build a platform co-op starter kit. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, you know, that, why, why, would, that's why would Google but, do that? Exactly. Now, obviously Google don't feel threatened by the, there's going to be no platform co-op in search, you know, that I can almost guarantee you. So maybe they don't feel threatened in their core business. So they feel this is something they can do improves their image, you know, classic kind of greenwashing. Well, in the old days, greenwashing, what's this ethic, ethic washing or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, certainly very interesting. But yeah, that's a great place to, to have a look at some resources to think about how you might start one. But I think, yeah, if you're, if you're a worker in an industry that is currently in a platform, definitely talk to your union, talk to other members, talk to other workers, um, Think about like how great it could be if where you came to work, you had a direct say in that governance, you shared in the profit, uh, you had some purpose beyond just doing your day to day work, but we're actually creating something positive for your community. You know, those are probably the people that are most exciting. Um, so if you are working in any of these platform dominated, do think about it, do talk with your fellow workers, do think about uh, how you might involve your union. And then definitely if you're a customer of any of these, you know, really take some time to think about whether there are still alternatives. So I still, yeah, absolutely, just like you, when I need to get, the, on the very few occasions I do need to book a minicab, 
have a phone number, I ring them up, talk to some really nice guy, talk to me a minicab, they're on top, you know, all works just as well. Yeah. Um, and then where you are in industries that are, where there are some emerging ones, do definitely go and try them out. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is there anything, so, 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 so this conversation was to, for me to put together a topic introduction about um, platform co-ops for people who don't know about platform co-ops so they can see what they are, why they're a good idea and what they can do. Is there anything else you can think of that we haven't talked about that needs to be in there? Uh, no, I mean, I think for me, it's that, yeah, it's that there, you know, I think it's a, to summarize, you know, that there's this, there's this beauty of them being kind of work around, but especially the, the fact of multi-stakeholders, so that we kind of get this messiness of the real world uh, into companies and we able to think about their kind of competing needs, create governance structures to kind of meet them. Then that there's uh, platforms are a problem. In enveloping the cooperative principles around them kind of mitigates or reduces the kind of the damage that platforms do. That uh, how you approach tackling these platforms is different depending on one, what sector it is, whether there's a dominant platform already there, and the nature of how the two people in the marketplace already think about it. And in terms of your solutions, you need to be thinking not just about platform co-ops, but about this larger kind of municipal union co-op idea to tackle those where, so like the Ubers and the Airbnbs are entrenched. Because I think that just thinking that this is going to emerge actually at the grassroots is a bit like thinking that the Bristol pound is going to take over Sterling. You know, it's just, it's yeah, just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, do you know so, do you know about the Preston model? You know about the Preston model, don't you? Yes. Matthew yeah, Brown. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, excitingly, where I live in Hackney, the mayor of Hackney is thinking about kind of replicating the platforms. And we've got, there's a lot of us in Hackney who are quite excited that we might also be helping. Uh, it, it seems like platform cobs could be, could be uh, really a part of that, um, you know, the Preston model movement or whatever you want to call it, the municipal movement. Platform yes. cobs could definitely be a part of that, couldn't they? Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, and um, the press model have already shown that they can kind of real world co-op so that, you know, the, the, the archetypal example of Preston is, you know, they did this assessment, they realized that, you know, all laundry services were kind of leaving the area. Uh, and so they created a, a cooperatively owned laundry company. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a platform. It's You're absolutely right. They could equally have assessed that taxis were the problem, yeah. or that food delivery was the problem, or that yeah. accommodation was the problem, and created a cooperative that would have had a platform element. So yeah, you're absolutely right that this really, and that's what I think, you know, so critical is that, that we, we've become quite distasteful of kind of the state intervening in these things and the state and technology have a particularly bad kind of, leave a particularly bad taste in people's mouth. The state is yeah. crap at doing technology, you know, would we have had Uber if we had relied on, you know, the Department for Transport to, to build it? No, we wouldn't. It would have been some shit thing that we pressed and half the time a car would come, maybe, you know, maybe, who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, uh, that's the other thing is that the tech, what was difficult about starting Uber, which was integrating maps with payment, with seamless user experience, which Uber have spent anywhere, you know, estimates vary, somewhere north of $10 million, and somewhere south of $100 million. 
Well, can you say that last it. sentence again? Can you say that last sentence again? Yeah, so Uber probably spent somewhere between 10 and $100 million on their technology, which when they developed it was really complicated, layering maps with real-time positioning, with automated payment, really a seamless user experience. But today, you can get that out of the box for peanuts. And indeed, even if you had to build it all from scratch, we have a, we think it's probably about a quarter of a million pounds to build the same thing that Uber spent, you know, 10 to 100 million on. Right. So that's one of the huge barriers to entry in the platform game, which was technology itself, has just pretty much disappeared. Although a quarter of a million obviously isn't to be sniffed at, when you're starting a business, that's, you know, it's not a, it's not a huge major cost. So that's the other thing to remember is that, and that's why also I think the state or the municipality and the city, which is the scale that we think it works better at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because the state or the municipality doesn't have to build the technology themselves, we think that even they have a, you know, can have a, have a seat at the table because they can just buy and license the technology from other people, um, which I think, again, is, is hugely valuable. So, yes, so absolutely it should be part of a, the kind of the remunicipalization, municipal socialism, the re-emergence of the importance of the city in the fight back against so many of our things, whether it be climate change or, or tech itself, um, I think the city and the municipality has a, has a huge part to play. Go back to Plato and Aristotle and the old city-state city model. Yes, well, yeah, I mean, uh, interestingly, yeah, we even again, talks of Brexit, whether London can somehow you know, divide itself up, uh, you know, but who knows, yeah. But yes, I think definitely the city is re-emerging, the most exciting stuff there is really going on in Spain. So Barcelona and Madrid, yeah. uh, in the last election elected, you know, really exciting uh, female mayors. Stuff going on around data uh, and the platforms and trying to take back some real control, not kind of stuff that we blow hot air about here, but uh, really changing the nature of the relationship. So for instance, in Barcelona now, uh, only allowed to continue to operate there they give uh, the municipality all of their information uh, about bookings and again not only so they can follow up to make sure that people aren't you know Barcelona is a really old city there's not much space it's becoming impossible for ordinary people to rent uh, in Barcelona um, and the key for a city is to make it livable for citizens not to make it an ideal tourist destination. I mean, I think that's also kind of the challenge. But yeah, so to operate now, but you know, Airbnb have to share the data. Barcelona is starting to change that relationship between the platform and the cities where they operate. I don't think we're too far away from cities going more than just okay, you need to share something with me as a condition of operating. Saying actually, we don't need you. We can do this ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And indeed, that's probably one last story that I'll um, so when we were starting kind of creating this ethical alternative to Uber, the only other city that had really experienced something similar was Austin, Texas. Right, Austin, yeah. Yeah, so exactly, so right, Austin, so. What happened yeah. to them? Well, so it's an interesting story. So they had this requirement that drivers had to, had to fingerprint ID themselves. And so Uber and Lyft, who were both in the city, um, didn't want to do this. And so they just left in a strop. They said, oh, we're not, we're not complying with this regulation, we're gonna leave. Uh, but rather than a complete disaster, what emerged was like 10 or 15 locally owned, some ethical, but you know, some not ethical uh, companies. So you had this beautiful, diverse ecosystem of, of local uh, taxi companies. Now, 
after about a year, those 15 had kind of narrowed down to about four or five that were still going, of which Ride Austin was the biggest. Um, wasn't quite a co-op, but was an ethical kind of not-for-profit. Um, and they had about 50% of the market share. But then what happened, uh, and we have this in our because I've spoken to the, 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 the CEO of Ride Austin, who has a friend on the board of Lyft. So Lyft is the kind of the other mega US kind of ride hail company. Yeah. Um, and what happened was Lyft, and I can only imagine Uber as well, viewed what was happening in, in Austin as an existential threat to their model. And what this means is that if, hey, if, these, if other people start seeing that Austin works yeah. perfectly well, not just perfectly well, better, because drivers get paid more, have more rights, uh, happier drivers, leading to like better, you know, better overall experience. If other cities start to realize this, we're going to be out of business. And so they quickly rushed back into Austin, Texas, very happy to comply with the fingerprinting requirement, which they'd left the year earlier on. Started heavily subsidizing the market, um, so that within about six months of them coming back into the market, they'd driven Ride Austin back down to just 10% market share. Now, Ride Austin think that they can hold on to that last 10%. How did they do that? By undercutting them. Absolutely, yeah. So, for instance, Lyft had a deal. You pay $20, you ride for free all week, things like that. Things that you can do if you've got deep pockets mm. uh, with VC money that you can just throw away, but mm. you can't do as a small, locally-based you know, mm. alternative. Mm. Um, now, Ride Austin think they can hold that 10% or at least 5% which is the kind of the percentage of customers that consume on a with kind of ethical criteria so they want to contribute to a good company but ultimately you know uh but that is i think a very uh informative example for anybody thinking that you can just go in and and change these markets uh these platforms are, are smart and they will not even allow an, you know, one example to flourish no. because they know that just allowing that one example to flourish is they can't afford to, a yeah. global business model. And, yeah. exactly. and once we see someone doing it, uh, that's when you know, all, you know, the, the, the game's over. So you getting this fair cap to, walk, to work properly in Brighton, to get a decent market share in Brighton is absolutely vital then. Absolutely. So Brighton will show us that you know, at a small scale, we then, we're then hoping at some, you know, after a while to maybe hop to Bristol to prove it that we can do it at a medium-sized city uh, and then finally maybe hop to a bigger city. But yes, um, I think then that's really the key is that you don't need to, I think as well, you don't need to now be thinking about how do I tackle the global problem. The global problem of these platforms is, is something that absolutely as, in, in my day job as a think tank, we need to be thinking about, uh, from a macroeconomic perspective, we need to be thinking about, from a kind of global workers' right, we need to be thinking about. But as innovators, we need to be thinking about as how do we create real viable on-the-ground examples that act as beacons for others to say, wow, this is really possible, to get that proliferation of examples out there. Um, and I so think that's really what we are now. Yeah, 